Dear Adam Silver, it has definitely been a minute since I've done a show, but my name is still Abigail Smithson, and I am here today with basketball everyman Blake Gillespie, who plays basketball, shares basketball hoops on his Instagram account, Sacred Hoops Book, and writes about many things, including basketball from a spiritual perspective. And since you were last on the pod, Blake, you have relocated from Sacramento, where you beat me in horse multiple times, to Hell's Kitchen, I believe, in Manhattan. That's and fair. yes, wonderful. And you are a past, present, and future guest on Dear Adam Silver. And I'm excited that you are back on the pod. So welcome back. Thank you for joining me. It's always a pleasure to uh, you know meet up with you again and 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 discuss hoops. So happy to be here. Good, good. So today we will be discussing your piece for Slam Magazine that was published on August 1st and is titled In War-Torn Ukraine, These Ukrainian Hoopers Are Trying to Uplift Others Through the Power of the Game. So there's a lot to unpack here, and I am just wondering if we could start with just what brought you to this topic of looking at how basketball is existing in a country that was invaded, that is facing um, atrocities, war crimes. Um, yeah, all of it. How did you decide to write about this story? So um, I would say this story began um, because I was just mostly coincidentally uh, following a, a few accounts um, that were based out there. Um, uh, this young woman named who goes by Tash Shorty, uh, and, and um, she, I have no idea how we ended up following each other, but that's kind of the nature of um, I would what I would call like the kind of hoops community on Instagram is, you know, it's got a very global, strong global network. Like you know, I'm I, I've only been running Sacred Hoops book account for maybe three or so years now and um, and connected with people all over the world as we've discussed previously. And so uh, when this war began like right away, like I, you know, people who um, you know, mostly getting basketball content from are now like, you know, doing their best to keep people informed that like you know they need help in their country and so um from kind of getting a few firsthand accounts there I thought to myself like well you know well first of all they were starting to share photos of um courts and schools with you know with you know basically basketball was in the backdrop of these bombings that were happening from Russia and that right there like putting that out into the world you know you could see in the comments and how people how many people were sharing it that it was resonating and so I approached Slama with this story of you know everyday people and some of them are professional athletes as well um in ukraine using basketball as a 
as a way to share with the world like what is happening right now and you know and also trying to appeal for funds to to uh you know for mutual aid and so this was all kind of like it was happening very organically and 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 that direct appeal you know was certainly resonating significantly yeah and we know that the Russian army has been targeting so many civilian sites, non-military places um, with their bombings and with their attacks. So it seems like, um, you know, getting more specific with basketball um, can actually resonate in a way that maybe perhaps like pictures of apartment buildings can't. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, the... It's, it, you know, I think something about a basketball court or a, you know, a school that, you know, or a gymnasium is like, those places are supposed to be well outside the, um, the purview of like targets. Mm -hmm. and um same with and, apartment buildings actually i mean like i don't know if it's yeah, the best comparison but, well, but there's something that you can't you, you can't tell from uh you, you can't always tell that it's an apartment that it's a residential building you know especially if, you know as you get into high rises things like that you know they could appear from a distance to just be you know, businesses or whatever, you know, they could be government buildings and, you know, that it gets, it gets less, it's murkier, you know, whereas like you definitely know when you see a big hole inside of a building and like a basketball court, you know, directly inside that hole, you're like, that is not part of war, you know? <laughs> and right. so, yeah, yeah. Like, and so, I, yeah, yeah, it just seemed like that was something that I think would just like, I just wanted to continue to help push that narrative for the uh, people of Ukraine. And can you talk to me a little bit about, so the first person you spoke with for this was Natalia Uditska, um, or you said her name on... Instagram is Tasha Hoops. Is that right? Tasha Shorty. <laughs> Tasha Shorty. Oh, Tasha Shorty. But she, okay. So I have a quote here that mentions Hoops from her. Um, but she, was she the first person you spoke with or messaged with uh, for this article? Uh, she was among, I, I'm, I'm, I, I immediately kind of reached out to her and to um, um, uh, Dimitri Smooth. Um, so they were like two people who like were I was aware of who were using their accounts to um share content that was you know directly using the basketball lens and the atrocities of war and you know what was their response to you reaching out to them to wanting to sort of spread their story more oh uh immediate like yes like let's do so i mean um at that point i i mean i had already gotten approval when i reached out to them i'd already received approval from slam to pursue this story and so um you know in addition to wanting to um you know tell their story 
from like a you know humanitarian need perspective they're both huge basketball fans and slam magazine like has like you know global awareness and appeal and so they were very excited to you know appear in slam albeit like you know with also uh you know some levity to the to the fact that like you know they wish it were under better circumstances you know Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that one thing I'm curious about, you know, neither of us are historians or, you know, foreign policy experts or um, anything like that. I'm wondering, sort of, this is, of course, you are so familiar with the power of basketball and, you know, what basketball can do for individual lives, for like, you know, a society as a collective. I'm just wondering sort of the responsibility you felt in taking on this subject matter um, you know, as like a not a war correspondent, but someone who has this particular interest who feels like this story could resonate or mean something to both the people um, who are, are telling it, some of it already in Ukraine, and also just like what it can do for people to read it outside of the country. Yeah, um, I am, yeah, in no way, um, uh, uh, you know, a war correspondent. And so my whole approach, I had to kind of find ways to uh, work around that and all, but also, I mean, I definitely took a lot of time, you know, in like the just research side of of the story, Uh, getting to know the history of Ukraine's independence and you know from Russia following uh, following the collapse of the Soviet Union and um and also like the occupations that have already happened um you know the eastern region has been in question um since an invasion in 2014 mm-hmm. you also have Crimea and so you know i i needed to like at least have some awareness of those things so that when I was speaking with people and they would you know kind of reference that stuff I knew enough to not have to ask a very stupid question but you know but but still um kind of keep asking for more from them so that like you know they weren't rehashing things that just had you know I should that I definitely should know um and so but the big the biggest component to this I would say is that like I I knew first of all I knew that slam wasn't going to be expecting a whole lot of um unpacking of the the geopolitical situation um and that they you know that the 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 biggest part about this was the human element and the and the and the toll that it has taken on, you know, a community, and and so the focus was always there, and I just kind of found ways to inform and and, and kind of um, support what they were saying with some context, so that it like you know, it was well reported, but like not heavy on um on all of all of those um 
nuances of the relationship between those two countries and the and the conflicts that have been ongoing for for a lot of them it's like most of their adult lives like you know you, you think about someone like um Alex Len who is from the eastern region he grew up speaking Russian and then moved to go to school for basketball in uh, another city that is a little bit more inland of of Ukraine and he then you know all of his classmates and all the school books are in Ukrainian language his classrooms all speak Ukraine he has to adapt um and then by the time he's going into the NBA in 2013 like a year later is when um you know a, a whole region that's very close to his hometown is beginning to go under occupation and so you have like his story in that regard um uh Dimitri his wife um she was originally from an area uh I think it was I think she was originally from Luhansk and she um you know had fled that area um you know, and had, you know, his family who, you know, they're, you know, under, have been under occupation for, you know, nearly a decade. And, um, and so there was things like that, that I had to familiarize. The biggest part I would say was familiarizing myself with the regions and knowing when particular areas came under occupation since 2014. And then like the, timeline of what was going on in the current invasion um because you know early on russia was invading from the north and the east and the south they were kind of like trying to kind of come down um from a northern and southern you know angle almost like a, you know an alligator mouth trying to close down on the country and so with you know, with that, I had to familiarize myself with a lot of different regions uh, in order to kind of stay up to date when people are informing me of like where they're at, you know, whether they're safe or when they became safer. Um, and then also like, you know, a lot of um, the people I spoke with, they have family who um, are still, you know, are still under occupation and they're very concerned. And so there was, you know, it was it was me having an awareness of their country and their their um circumstances and then um just trying to you know give them enough room to and the proper proper room to 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 kind of share um their experiences yeah and what surprised you i mean i think one thing that was interesting to me from the article is that you know, when you reference the 2014 annexation of um, Crimea and that this is like this has kind of been building up for a while or this possibility of Russia invade, invading further and trying to take more land from Ukraine and occupy more land um, has been building up. You reference that in the article. We also have I'm forgetting his exact name. I think it's um, Smoove. Mm -hmm. What is his name? Uh, Dmitry uh, Kravinko, I believe. Yeah, Smooth okay. is, is his nickname. He's a 
He's a Harlem Globetrotter, actually. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So that he is also mentioning like in the days building up to the invasion in February that um, when, you know, there was a lot of people knew that for Russian forces were building up on the border and that was being reported and it seemed like, you know, that this was going to happen, that he and his teammates or his his, you know, pickup friends were texting back and forth like, oh, we'll meet up for a game tomorrow if we don't have, if there's not a war. Mm-hmm. And that it was kind of, there was like, they were joking around about it. But then also we have uh, other players um, who, and I think it's it's uh, Alex Len who is saying, oh, I, you know, I can't believe this happened. Like we're brother countries. Mm-hmm. So all of these different experiences, of course, there's not one Ukrainian experience uh, necessarily. And so what was that like to kind of like collect all that information? You know, it was so many people like shared very similar stories um, uh, that it it was it it actually was easier than I I thought it would be um, because of like at because it was early on in the invasion and it was um, it was clear that like what was going on was that Russia was really focusing on a lot of um, shelling and bombing. And so there was, I think what they were trying to kind of really do is give a, a big shock and hope that, you know, Ukraine kind of crumbled under that um, immediate hit. And so everybody had the experience of, being woken up at, you know, six in the morning to sirens and having to get down into bomb shelters, um, having to spend overnight in, you know, these underground shelters, people huddled together, sleeping in chairs, you know, and, and then also experiences of like having to move quick and create exit plans, you know, uh, as much as it's in it, the, where the nuances kind of came was like based on regions, um, people who are more in the East and more immediately knowing that they are in areas that could quickly become occupied. Um, and, uh, they spent, you know, um, three months or so kind of just with like bags packed just in case, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it's like, whereas like a place like Kiev where they're, you know, much further to the West and, you know, and also inland enough that I think there was like less of, feeling like there was less of possibility that that threat comes immediately towards them. And, um, of course, we know that that was uh, not the case. So, you know, the, yeah, I mean, I'd say also like the, the, the biggest surprise was this kind of like the, um, the immediate, the way that people were just kind of like thrown into this and having to adapt and 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 make moves very quick 
um, you know, the, the stories that, that were shared in that regard, like there were um, so they were sharing so many like details of all this, that it was like difficult to get it all in this, in the, into the story, you know? Yeah. And did you, um, once you started contacting, um, Natalia and, um, Smooth, smooth. <laughs> um, I'm wondering, like, how how you found how you were able to get in touch with other people um, who maybe you hadn't been following, and how you discovered other stories to tell. Right. Well, um, one of them actually came from uh, uh, the True Hoops podcast. Um, they interviewed uh, uh, Kyril. Um, because shout they, out to bring it in yeah 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 bring it in bring <laughs> it in interviewed um Kyril and um and I listened to that and you know and that kind of happened around the time too that I it was either right as I had already kind of pitched slam or you know um right before but I I I was thinking all right, all right I definitely need to find um him and 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 get in touch and with him to kind of get his side of the story and then and then that you know I just also felt like you know because I was writing for slam that like there's a I could I needed to include a professional component and um got in touch with um the Sacramento Kings who put me in in contact with Alex Lenz agent who's also uh Zviz agent uh the ukrainian player for the um uh toronto raptors mm -hmm. and those three have a very interesting relationship um and this was actually kind of i had to cut this from the story just for space but i'll share it with you now is that um alex lens and zvi's agent um he's actually russian born and his um family immigrated to the US, I think, I believe when he was six. And so, and then he, his agent um, kind of met Len when he was younger in Ukraine and, you know, was integral in bringing him to the US and, you know, uh, and then his career in the NBA. And so, you know, and then this career now is like, you know, he's been in the NBA since 2013. So, you know, next season will be his like decade within the league. And so they have a very long running relationship, uh, you know, as like two Ukrainian men's represented by, a, you know, mm -hmm. Russian man. And, um, and uh, really like, you know, uh, the agent, you know, it was like so heartbroken over uh, this whole matter. And, you know, and it was like expressed to, you know, his, his friends that he, you know, feels, you know, he doesn't feel very Russian anymore, you know, like he feels very much a lot of, you know, conflict, you know, because of what has happened. And so um, that was something that like, I wish I could have like kept in the story, but um, was also like, you know, very, very uh, powerful moment that I, 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 you know, was, I learned about through all this. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think that often, I mean, we're so player focused as far as narratives go and storytelling goes or coaches. I think the people that we see the most is who we want to know the most about, but that there's all these relationships Mm -hmm. behind the scene, Um, players and agents, of course, owners that we don't see that often that we... I feel like now can safely assume are like damaging the world perhaps. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I, so that's like a really powerful thing to know. Mm -hmm. And that it's just, it's the, it's um, like no one population is good or bad, of course. And I'm sure you already knew that going into this, of course, like obviously, but it's like those stories make thing, make, you know, put emphasis on how complex it is, um, how, how, uh, yeah, the complexity of, of these relationships. Indeed. And, you know, the, uh, also the complexity of identity, like you yes. know, wanting to identify <laughs> with a place and a culture and also feeling, um, that that's, you know, whatever, what's happening there is not good. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's fine. So, you know, and uh, some of the uh, people I spoke with, they've, you know, pro- played professionally in European leagues. They've had um, Russian teammates. Um, Alex Lenz, you know, told me that, like, you know, Timothy Mozgov is who's a Russian-born player mm-hmm. and played for the, I believe, the Lakers and, and, and uh, Cavs. You know, he hasn't spoken to Timothy since the war began. Um, but it's possibly not has anything to do with like any sort of like anyone picking sides. It's, you know, people who had Russian teammates, like their Russian teammates can't say anything about how they feel about this whole situation. Like they, you know, that that is that is basically you know uh imprisonment if not like worse sentence for them you know so there's a a lot of there was a lot of kind of like we know that this is not what the russian people want especially ones who you know have ties to ukraine and and have you know maybe have family here maybe they are you know, former Ukrainians themselves, but, you know, because of where they live right now, um, they're expressly forbidden from, you know, speaking out, you know, in against this war. And so, um, and, you know, we saw what happened when there was some, you know, attempts from Russian people to express that, like, they did not agree with this invasion that you know and so there's there's a lot of um of of complexity there that is um scary uh because of the nature of like you know autocratic oligarchies and how they operate in terms of suppression of 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 oppositional voices and Mm -hmm. so um and you know there was there was elements of this story too in which like people um you know they can't um even express the extent in which like 
they know people in the occupied regions because they don't want um, those people to get to any harm to come to them, you know? Yeah. Uh, because that can be used, uh, you know, I mean, as we've seen with uh, uh, Brittany Griner, like this, you know, if there is a, an advantage to be had in political imprisonment or, you know, even worse, um, enlistment into the into the Russian army to fight against your own people like that is there's a, the the potential of that being used as a um like in this war is is likely and so that that kind of fear and concern um is like on the fringes of all, all this discussion in which like you know everyone was willing to speak and and open and happy to speak but there was also like concerns as well because of um there's other threats at play be you know because of this brother country situation yes i'm so glad you brought up Brittany griner because you know i think that uh the story of her imprisonment obviously like we need her to come back we need her to be released her her wife needs her her family needs her the WNBA needs her like her community needs her um and I'm just, you know, but that has been like the dominant basketball story of this war or invasion. Um, right. And even though it's not literally about like the game itself, and I don't know always if, I mean, I don't think that the stories that you're telling in your article are about like literally playing basketball. It's sort of about like what basketball means. Mm-hmm. And I also think the Brittany Griner story is about like what Brittany what Brittany Griner means, you know, what she symbolizes, um, her identity as a black queer woman um, in in a place that, um, you know, is hostile. And not to say the United States is not hostile <laughs> towards either of those groups, um, uh, but that that you know just um, or any of those groups, but just thinking about sort of. The, the symbolism and we have her actual, you know, her her humanity and her story, which is, you know, particular. And like that's when it's like, of course, we need to get her home and also what it means for someone like her to be there and to be imprisoned. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, it's when you explore, when you use the game of basketball as like a lens to look at things, it's so it seems so rarely that, that it's about like points scored or um, you know, stats or like what happened last night at the game. It's about something very different. Yeah. That's a bit of a word salad. Um, do respond to it, whatever way you think makes sense. I, um, you know, I, I don't, I just, I don't feel like I have a response at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's fine. Totally. It's, I'm going off the, off the grid here with our, with the questions we had. So, no, it's just, I'm really glad you brought that up. I'm wondering if Brittany Griner came up in your conversations with any of the people in Ukraine. You know, it, it did, but it just kind of in, in passing, you know, and, and just kind of um, to express the, uh, the ruthlessness and insanity that, um, is like, you know, the Kremlin and 
um, you know, uh, Tyrell was very uh, vocal about that, that, you know, in this situation, you know, like we are hostages of a madman. And um, those were, I mean, his, his words. Uh, and, and that, um, you know, this subjugation that is like, being attempted right now is, you know, not uh, in is not something that anybody should, you know, take lightly, especially if you come from a democratic country. Um, you know, the, the amount of like, oh, what is the word like lately? But, you know, in this, in our country right now, the, um, there's a, a right wing like friendliness to Russia that is uh, yes deeply unfriendliness is like very yeah putting it and, so lightly like yeah yeah um and to to hear even to hear just like I mean it's one thing with people who are pundits on television who are paid to you know basically be controversial and and that hits ratings and and they kind of live in this like, you know, like violent place of, of creating disturbance and unrest. It's one thing for like those people to, to express that, but then to have that just kind of matriculate and influence average Americans to a point in which like there are millions of people in this country who don't have an issue with Russia and their um, their policies and their like imprisonments of journalists and and even uh, uh, assassinations, you know, their their in their ruthless invasions of of countries and um, and just their their moral bankruptcy when it comes to being a global partner um is is this very alarming you know and so to have you know that kind of sitting in this country while writing about another democracy like that is you know now been you know um, granted, into, has been brought into NATO, and you know is you know is forming a, a, like alliances with our alliances is like it's just very troubling, um, and and so I think that's about the extent to which I could um, you know, speak on it. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Um, it's. Uh... It's really interesting to bring in your perspective from where you're at and where the United States is at and what's happening here right now. And I think that one thing that's really pervasive in the culture of the United States is I think that there's this um, uh, desire, I mean, or just there's this 
um, regular, common uh, way that we like we judge a lot of other countries um, for being not being enough like us necessarily or it seems like our government does Mm -hmm. and that has all sorts of that results that spreads down from the top down um and i mean so i think that there's this judgment of like when we say russia it's like you know it's a madman we have vladimir putin like vladimir putin is is the issue i'm not Mm -hmm. saying that like if something happened to vladimir putin there wouldn't be another madman to step up but there's also like like Russia is very complicated <laughs> and you know I think it's easy to you know we make it's easy to have a bad guy and a good guy and we do have bad guys and good guys but also like it is it's more complicated than that and knowing that like when what you see here you're like why don't you know to your fellow citizens and to people that live here it's like you don't see this awful thing that this person is doing I mean I think that there's like a Russia fetish and there's a Putin fetish Mm -hmm. um and uh i think um yeah it's just it's it's unsettling um but also like russia isn't putin right yeah all that to say and so is ukraine in i so i had understood that ukraine was not in nato that ukraine is that's why like russia was able to invade them in a way that they wouldn't start with like estonia or Latvia, right? Um, um, I, I mean, I, I, they, they, at the time of the invasion, it was not. I may be misremembering this, but I, I thought that in the past few months that um, NATO had um, welcomed in. Uh, ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, NATO yeah. is a partner country. Ukraine is a NATO partner country, which means that it cooperates closely with NATO, but is not covered by the security guarantee and the alliance's founding treaty. Yes. That asterisk. The asterisk. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Because I was just like thinking about because I know there's been a lot of talk about what it would mean for Russia to invade the Baltic countries and mm-hmm. that it would immediately immediately the United States would be involved. Mm-hmm. Um which is not the case with, I mean, of course, the United States is immediately involved, but not as a NATO member in Ukraine, Indeed. the Ukraine. Um, okay, so I wanted to read this quote from Natalia, mm-hmm. Tasha Shorty. Um, yeah. So she's one of the people that you interviewed. Uh, she chose to stay in Kiev, and she maintains a PayPal account for fundraising um, and her Instagram account where she shares stories of destroyed basketball spaces. This includes um, a space that was destroyed on March 1st, known as the Avant-Garde Pavilion. I could be putting the wrong emphasis on that certain parts mm-hmm. of that word, which is a major basketball location in Ukraine. And she says, that place had a great value to many hoopers in Kiev. Then I realized that basketball communities all over the world should see all the horrors of this war. There are so many destroyed basketball halls and courts in Ukraine, and sometimes they make more of an impression on people than the news reports. Um, So, I mean, I guess it goes back to what we were talking earlier, but, like, how, when she said that, you know, is that something that you felt like, like, you... It's hard for you to say that as someone like looking at those images as the person kind of 
because I think we can also have like trauma porn or, you know, I know there was mm -hmm. a lot of issues with like taking photographs of like um, interior spaces after Hurricane Katrina flooded homes. And it's like, okay, these peeling walls are, they have beauty in them. You know, these, this mold is beautiful or whatever. This is also someone's home and maybe they died. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they've, I mean, they've definitely been displaced. Like who gets to go in? and tell that story but here we have this woman who has you know remained in the center like telling you however many thousands of miles away like this is what the world needs to see more you know than than the than the news reports because I think that we do have a problem of like getting inundated with so much so much news and so many stories that it can be um hard to to figure out like what to be I mean, you're upset about everything or horrified by everything, but it's like, you know, we talk about really specific places that can be more compelling. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so I'm just wondering, like, what that meant for you to hear that. You know, it's um, it's one of the uh, big questions um, that comes with doing this job as a journalist. You know, you you want to like not impose too much, but you also, you know, you don't, you don't want to, you know, cause further harm by reporting on something, you know, because I, you know, I can do all this and then walk away mm -hmm. and continue to, you know, take my dog for walks around the neighborhood, you know, but um, and oh, not we get to, to check worry. in and check out. Yeah, we get to yeah, choose yeah, yeah. when we mm -hmm. are engaging with this material rather than someone. You're talking about these bomb shelters. You're talking about people listening to the sirens, like mm -hmm. where it is defining their existence or whether their existence continues. Exactly, exactly. And so um, there was that, you know, element that like I, you know, was aware of the the, the whole time. And, and, and I think that's why... I mean, I do this with a lot of the um, work I do um, in writing is that like I, I'm not so much the one trying to tell the story as much as creating um, space for other people to tell the story. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was, you know, I was, I wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to get my three sources and then like, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll type this thing out and turn it in like I wanted to try and speak to as many people as I could um without in the in the time I had to um to complete this story like I wasn't able to make time to speak with Svi um I would have liked to but I you know I was just kind of hitting getting closer to the deadline um but you know in yeah, each person I reached out to, um, I, you know, thanked them for their stories. And I also asked if there was anyone that they, you know, they uh, there was other stories they heard, people who they think would be, you know, willing to speak up for this piece. And and that led me to, because um, uh, Smooth shared a story um, uh that you know a friend of his who was a basketball coach um you know was um you know 
accosted by like Russian soldiers and, and like, you know, kind of held at gunpoint. And it wasn't until he said, I'm just, I'm not, because the, the soldiers basically wanted him to confess that he was like a, a spy or something like that. And he said, I don't know anything. I'm just a basketball coach. And that was like his last plea for like, please like let me and my friend go. And this has been going on for 20 minutes, you know, this harassment by these drunk soldiers. And, um, and when uh, um, Smooth like shared this story, like I, I knew like I needed to talk to um, this gentleman, his name is Valentin and like, um, and that became like a big, like that's the very first paragraph, mm-hmm. you know, is is Valentine's encounter with these drunk soldiers and 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 literally like this Nike t-shirt that Valentine has had for probably years that says basketball saved my life, like became this like symbolic garment that he has now because of you know what happened to to him in his encounter. And so you know, something like that, like, you know, I don't want to, I, 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 you know, I, I was always like conscious of like having that in the story and the way that I told it, like, I didn't want to sensationalize or, ex- or feel as though I was exploiting that, that, that encounter he had. Like, I tried to keep it as close to his exact telling of it. And 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 so you know basically it's kind of hopefully just it kind of answers your question is that like i try and write in a way in which like my voice is unintrusive to the voices who are whose story it actually is if that makes sense and and so whatever they're willing to tell um and you know and confirm that they would like on the record like that is what will be in there and i'm not going to you know fill in the gaps with anything that i think they might you know also be trying to say uh, with these words like let's just let these these comments exist and sit and then they may be you know um received as as however the reader kind of would like to, you know, you, you know, feel about them. Yeah. I mean, I think I see you in this article because I know you (laughs) and I know about your, uh, sort of how you function as a human a little bit. And also, uh, you know, your, your love for basketball, but I think you're right that, I mean, you're, you're sort of just presenting us with this material uh, as Mm -hmm. a journalist does. And that's, it's effective. That story at the beginning is really um, overwhelming in the sense that there's so much luck involved mm-hmm. in that story. Um, whereas, you know, we have Valentine saying, you know, I'm just a basketball coach. Uh, I'm not, you know, spying or anything. And that could have gone in a really different direction. I don't know. I mean, I just think that, like, there's also this element of the fact that this drunk soldier likes basketball. Yeah. And want to talk to him about basketball and, you know, was trying to get information from him about, 
you know, certain translations and things like that. It's like, um, yeah, I mean, that just, I mean, something awful could have happened if it had been a different soldier or a different group of soldiers, you know? So it's just like the randomness of war um, or, you know, um, this this type of invasion that's so focused not just on, that is like, you know, trying to wipe out or it seems in some cases like, the Russians are trying to wipe out Ukrainian people, exactly. um, the, or the Russian army. Like, yeah, it's just that well, was like it's an unprovoked war. Right, yeah. And so, um, so the the lines of like division and cause are absent, and so in that so in that attempt to wipe out, like the point of that is that there be that there the the semblance of any ways in which these these two countries might have anything in common has to be like wiped from like the narrative and and so i mean i think that became like a big component to this story is that like you know no like there's plenty in common with you know every in these in these neighboring countries like you know from like its people to its interests, you know? And so, um, so what, what are we, what is this really about, mm. you know? And, you know, and, and, and then that puts the spotlight back on Vladimir Putin in which it's all about power and, um, and just, you know, and it's just all about power is, is really what it comes down to. And then, and everybody else is kind of um, at the mercy of this crazed obsession with power. And so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I wanted to, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say one of the things that you, because you mentioned like you can't help but um, see a bit of me in it is, you know, I, and, you know, it's, it was really special um, in that. Uh, at one point when I was talking to uh, Kyril and he was speaking about like the ways in which um, this country, the, 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 that people, it, the, the war isn't just about being on the front lines, but like there's an also like you can fight the war by making art and, and, and singing songs and, um, and just letting the soldiers know, reminding the soldiers what they're fighting for. Like that was one part in which like I knew I had to work that into to the end of the piece because that is um something that I personally like really feel strongly about. And so if, I mean the fact that he said that just it was, you know, I didn't bring it up in any regard it was just something he said and I was so grateful that he said it because it expressed something that I feel very strongly about and um and that whole what what are we fighting for component to the um Ukrainian story you know because it, it took it beyond like no one thinks they're fighting for basketball you know um but what people are kind of what that what is kind of working in the back of a lot of ukrainians minds is like is that um you know 
they're fighting for their freedom and their and and their future and 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 so the art that can come from this moment that kind of helps affirm those freedoms and the um you know for uh smooth like one of the big things was he you know got to do a a um kids camp and and a lot of the kids like a majority of the kids at this camp were um were refugees from the eastern part of the country so they weren't even locals to the town that he was doing this camp in mm -hmm. and all those kids like cared about because he even asked the kids like oh how are you feeling like you know how are you you know how are you handling you know all of this can you even think about basketball right now and they were like yes of course like we we love basketball you know you know and so like they were you know that 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 resilience of 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 kids and you know maybe it's a little bit of like not fully understanding too but it's like you gotta like that innocence there is so important too to kind of like protect and um and so there was parts of that story, the story that I, I I really made sure that were in there because they go so much, they go so far beyond this story of, you know, basketball players in Ukraine. And so during wartime. Yeah, that was a really um, interesting part that he sort of was in shock. Um, I was in shock that these children we're just like, yeah, we want to watch basketball. Yeah, we want to play yeah. basketball. And I mean, I think that that speaks to sort of the power of like basketball or other um, games and, and that are like just a part of our fabric of culture mm -hmm. or society where it's like, oh, this feels familiar. Like, and if this basketball game is happening, then like that, like this thing happening right here is okay. This is okay, you know? And so that's really interesting. Certainly. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to check in about, like, where are the people that you spoke to, where they are now, like, what's going on with them? I've, of course, started following Smooth and Natalia <laughs> on Instagram um, and uh, sort of know what they're up to. But please tell us what, what's what been going on with some of these um, people that you right. spoke to since the article. So, um, uh... So smooth, um, you know, in the story, uh, his wife was pregnant and, you know, and he had evacuated her to friends in Poland. And um, a few months ago, she was able to return um, as well as the uh, rest of his family. And um, and uh, I think just a week or so ago, um, she gave birth and uh, I have a baby girl now. So that. Oh, yeah. That is, you know, wonderful that they were able to, you know, that he was able to be there for that because he's not allowed to leave the country, given that he's within the age range where you could mm -hmm. be enlisted. And so the fact that she was able to come home and be there and he was able to be there for the birth of his daughter is like a huge, like, you know, success story for um, for for all of this, because um you know ukraine is uh 
putting up a very uh, big fight right now in this country and regaining parts of it. I think they've even gained parts of the country that had been annexed in 2014. So that's like significant, you know? Yes, I haven't seen that, but I have seen just in the past few days, like how much they've been able to take back control of different towns and also like cutting off supplies to the Russian, like cutting off the Russian army's sort of ways of getting supplies in and out to places. So I mean, yeah, I feel like I the narrative I, can change really quickly, but um, yeah. I didn't. Um, I didn't read. I just. I got a, a notification while we were talking, and it happened to be that um, that some uh, a region in the northeast that like Ukraine had uh, had just regained. Um, you know, so it's ongoing as this is this whole conversation is happening. Yes, and I, I just want to say really quickly about that. I know when your your essay came out on August first. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I contacted you about having you on the podcast to discuss it. You said yes. We've had to push it off a few times, mostly because of me and starting school and all these things. And you said something to me when I was worried about, like, pushing it off. Well, I, I was mostly worried about you getting annoyed <laughs> that I was pushing it <laughs> off so much. But you were also like, this is still happening. Mm-hmm. And and that was, like, such an important thing for me to remember that – I mean, this story is important to tell at any time. It's important to tell, like, you know, when things are happening. It's also like this is a document that, like, will carry these stories forward, hopefully, when this is over, too. And there's, like, I think we – I mean, I just think there is such a rush to, like, get something when it's relevant and talk Mm -hmm. about something when it's relevant, quote-unquote. But, like, I I just think that this – I mean, this is – like, basically, you were telling me, like – Shit's still happening. <laughs> like, yeah. don't worry about your whatever. Yeah. Like, this war is is ongoing. And it's just like, oh, my God. You know that that thing about, like, um, making sure that uh, it's like this just has value beyond one week. Certainly. So, um, Certainly. And, you know, and that was, um, um, you know, one of the um, key points that um, Kyril made was that, like, you know, it's about like keeping um, Ukraine in the news, keeping keeping the social media posts coming, you know, keeping you know staying uh, vigilant because um, once we all, you know, once the rest of the world gets quiet and cares less about this, that's when Russia will feel even more um, like invigorated to kind of be even more to, to try and take seize seize that moment. Um, he brought up um, Chechnya and how that conflict went on, and then um, and then there was a long like several years, you know of not conflict and then they re you know reignited it and so you know the it's the ukrainian people are very much aware that like you know even in their successes um and 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 battles won here like this isn't something that you know will like in any in any respect like be done you know, 
quickly or you know yeah even this thing even the places that they even the secure in the places they they do end up securing like that threat still will loom uh over everyone you know yes absolutely yeah so there yeah there's no on time with i mean yeah just keeping it in the news there's always space i mean for a conversation like this and for an article like this um so yes sorry we so talked about the, yeah, yes catch me up on so so um well first of all it's i feel i mean this was on my mind the whole time and i was um you know i, I feel it's so fortunate that, that this is the case is that everybody that i spoke with is still alive and well um you know despite all the close calls that happened in their lives like everyone is still doing well um and so uh uh valentin uh his back in his um uh town he had to in this story he had to um flee to kiev and um and it was like a, a very dangerous um journey through a green corridor and um and so he's returned home and he's coaching basketball again which was great to hear um natalia is um playing uh street ball um now and um I, i've seen her post videos of her practicing you know and, and, and she's got moves she's got moves yeah, yeah, yeah she's, she's moves. seriously yeah. breaking ankles exactly <laughs> not so her she, own yeah she's thriving and um i i have not spoken to uh to kyril or len uh since um since the article came out um but i i haven't heard any um you know bad news either i think i mean i've, I've seen social media updates and mm -hmm. um, and it looks as though like they're doing um just just fine right now uh so so yeah, so that part of it is like a, a, a huge relief that I hope, um, you know, it kind of remains this way because, um, yeah, yeah, I, you know. Oh, it's something so to I built some bonds yeah. with, with, some, with some people in Ukraine. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that they're, they're doing good. Yeah. Well, um, I'm invested um, in them as well, and I appreciate you sort of bringing their story to us, and I'm so glad Slam uh, supported this article and, and this idea of yours, and yeah, thanks for for coming on and sharing about it and what, you know, went into it from all these different people. Certainly. I do want to definitely thank Slam for this because... Um, you know, when I first pitched this story to them, like, I was honestly only expecting to just do a, you know, digital, you know, only story for their website. And they, you know, informed me like, no, we we're thinking about this for the next issue. Um, and then while I was working on it, I expressed to my editor that I felt like I needed more space uh which is like a big ask uh, as a journalist to be like can i can i write even more um you know space is is tough to come by and uh and she like without 
a hesitation said yes and and doubled my word count and so to to for so i want to say a big thank you to slam because of um their support in in this story i'm so glad that they doubled your word count that's great (laughs) (laughs) um and that they realized what an important piece it was for sure for sure yeah good okay so People can find you on Instagram at Sacred Hoops Bucks. Sacred Book. book sorry, Sacred Hoops Buck, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Where you're sharing um, all sorts of basketball-related content all the time. And um, thank you for coming on the show again. Uh, it's always nice to, to get to have a long conversation with you. Likewise, likewise. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.